Hi, and welcome to the She Hit Refresh podcast, a podcast for women aged 30 and over who want to break free from routine and start a life of travel. I'm your host, Seppi, rhymes with Peppy, and today we've got a fabulous guest, Sharon Kelly, who will be talking about financially planning for your refresh. So I met Sharon through the She Hit Refresh group. She's an accountant and has worked in finance for about 25 years. I even had the pleasure of meeting her in person as she was passing through Madrid on her travels. And as we had breakfast, she told me about her background and how she used her skills as an accountant to plan for her two-year trip around the world. So when I heard how much detail went into her planning, I just knew she was the perfect person to address this topic. We get a lot of questions from refreshers on how to get their financial ducks in a row. And although Sharon isn't a financial advisor, in this episode, she gives us insight into her own planning process, which includes quitting her job, selling her house, crunching the numbers for her journey, even financially planning post-journey of what she would come back to after her travels were done. And she talks a bit about how a break like this affects your career. So give it a listen, and I hope you learn a thing or two. Hi, Sharon. Thank you so much for being on the She Hit Refresh podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, it's just been great kind of following your journey, which we'll get into, and also getting to meet you here in Madrid. You were here just a few weeks ago, and are you still in Spain right now? No, I've actually moved on to Italy. I'm in uh, Milan now. I'll be Uh uh, in Italy over the next month or so. That's right, because you you were just telling me you went to the opera there. Amazing. I did. Well, for our listeners here who don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of background to your story, maybe where you're from, a little bit of who you are, touching on your career, and about this travel refresh that you're doing right now? Sure, I'd love to. So I was born in England, but uh, I moved to Canada with my family when I was four, hence the no British accent. So I've lived in Canada for most of my life, consider it my home. I'm a Canadian, but also still a British citizen. I've uh, worked in uh, finance for about the past probably 25 years now. I'm a designated accountant. So in Canada, I hold a CPA, CMA designation. So I'm a designated accountant, and I've been working in the finance field since I got my designation in my early 20s. Primarily what I do is I'm not a tax accountant. I'm not uh, the type of accountant that does auditing or does the what you would think of a traditional bookkeeping type accountant. I've moved away from those areas in my career. What I do right now is I work uh, within a company and I work in their finance department, in their strategy and planning areas. So I help companies design their three to five year plan, a strategic plan, as well as a financial plan. I've been doing that probably for the past 10 to 15 years of my career over a number of companies and a number of different industries. Awesome. And that is one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I know, and we'll talk about that more, you've used, you know, what, how I guess you approach companies to your own personal life and your refresh that you've done. Okay. So you were in Canada, you were working, I'm assuming you had a good life. Were you happy with what was Mm -hmm. going on with your life? and I was. Yeah, so I was I was happy. So I didn't hit refresh because I w- something traumatic happened or my life wasn't going well. Overall, I was happy. I enjoy what I do, and I I still do. I don't know whether I'll go back to it or what will happen when I finish my journey. But I did enjoy what I did. I had um, a great family. Still have a great family. Lots of friends. I enjoyed my life. 
I wasn't 100% happy where I was working, and that's happened throughout my career. You just hit a point sometimes where things are just not working that well there, and you feel like you need to move on. So that's what I did in 2017 now. I just felt like I needed to move on and just find another, another job. So I started to look for another position, but nothing was really grabbing me. It just all felt the same. And it was. I was looking for exactly the same position as what I've been doing for so long, just in a different company. And um, a friend of mine suggested, well, you know, why don't you travel? Because you know, you're really not the corporate type, which I kind of laughed at him because I met him at work and he's a fellow accountant. So I'm, you know, what do you mean I'm not the corporate type? It's what I do. And uh, exploring it with him, he said, no, I'm, I'm not the corporate type, that I'm an adventurer and a traveler. I really didn't believe him at the time, but he kind of planted the seed to do this, to embark on a life of travel or at least a, a journey for however long it ends up being. Uh, so I thought about it, worked through the numbers, which I know we'll get into, and thought about a lot of other non-financial considerations and decided to do it. I started off in August of 2018, started off in Belgium. And since then, I've been um, traveling through Europe. Oh my gosh. I know that's a lot of refreshers dreams out there. It is incredible. And um, how long have you planned to travel for? I plan to travel for two years. So my financial plan is such that I can travel for two years and not have to work. Anything beyond that, I will have to find some source of income. So it may end up being longer, and then I'll have to think about what that means. I'll have to find a, a job somehow. It may end up being a little bit shorter if I decide, well, maybe, obviously, if the money runs out before the two years, then it will be shorter. Or if I decide it's, it's not working out, I want to go home or whatever reason. But I'm working with a, a two-year time frame. Perfect. Okay. And we'll get into that. For anyone that's interested in more in Sharon's personal story, she has written a blog post for us. So you can check it out on She Hit Refresh under Featured Female. And for anyone that's thinking about quitting their job, but needs some um, information on how to do it gracefully, she also wrote a guest post for us on that with a lot of great tips on there Mm -hmm. on how really not to burn bridges and to leave your job uh, on good standing. Yeah, that's really important. I provided more than two months notice, which is pretty much unheard of. You don't really usually provide that much notice. You certainly don't when you're moving to another uh, position in another company. So for me, that was important to provide that amount of notice and allow the company to plan, you know, for me to help in that transition. Perfect. Okay. So let's jump into the financial planning part because a question that I see a lot in the She Hit Refresh group is how do I financially plan for a refresh? As in, what should I budget for? How do I even know how to plan and budget for and how to get my financial ducks in a row so that I'm not stressing while I'm on my refresh? I'd love to talk a little bit about that. And as you let us know, so you have worked in strategic planning and analysis. And from your blog post, I saw that you described your work as helping companies put together the three to five year plan and then monitor and analyze the results um, and then make changes as necessary. So I just feel like you're the perfect person to help us all out on what we should do. So can you take us through your planning process? Like where did you even know where to start? Okay. Well, first of all, everybody's situation is going to be different. So I can talk about some of the things that I thought about, but my personal financial situation will be different than anybody else who's either refreshing or thinking of doing that. I want people to maybe take the message, but not necessarily take my story as, well, this is 
and try and fit their story into that. But for me, the way I started was I looked at how can I afford this? When you're doing any kind of financial plan, you look at what your basically your income is going to be and then what your expenses are going to be. For me, my income in relation to this was how am I going to get the kind of money to be able to afford this? I also had to think about, well, what is this going to cost? That's hard to pinpoint. I, I do admit that. I did a lot of reading about people who had done a, a multi-year travel or even had a life of travel like this. And from there, I kind of got an idea of what a daily budget would be. Obviously, that's going to fluctuate a lot depending on where you are. And that's why if you work on an average amount per day over the course of either a one or a two year time frame, then you can balance it out when you're in more expensive locations, which is, you know, a lot of Europe, especially Western or Central Europe, and then cheaper locations, which would be Africa and a lot of Asia. Also, depending on where you're from, the strength of the euro currency or the the pound, if you're in the UK, that's going to vary. Working with Canadian or US dollars, those currencies are weaker against the euro or the pound. So that's going to factor how much it's actually going to cost you as well. But if you think about that and you think about this is on average over the course of a one or two year or however long a journey you're going to be, use that as a daily average. And that gives you a rough idea of how much your total journey is going to cost you. Some days you're going to be over, some days you're going to be under, but then you'll be able to look at that and see and make adjustments going forward. And if necessary, maybe shift away from those expensive regions, don't spend as much time in in Europe and move to cheaper locations. Or that's when you may have to consider you've got to spend more time in hostels or do couch surfing or workaways or any of those types of things that will help you in your accommodation costs. That's one of the things to consider. Also, you need to consider what type of journey do you want? For me, staying in a lot of hostels doesn't work for me. I don't really want to be staying in a 10, 16 bed dorm for my entire two years. So I know that I had to up my budget a little bit to be able to provide for a little bit better accommodations that suits me personally. If you're somebody who's okay with staying in hostels for the entire length of time, you can probably get away with a lower budget than what I'm working with. Those are some of the considerations to think about as well. When I looked at how I'm actually going to be able to afford this, for me, my biggest thing was I had an asset that I could could use. I had a house. And I'd owned my home for 12 years. It had appreciated considerably in value. So I knew that if I sold that house right there, that that gave me the money to travel. That wasn't necessarily an easy decision to make because I loved my house. So I did really think about and really work through the numbers as to whether or not I could afford to keep the house somehow and still get the money to travel. There was a possibility on that. I could have refinanced it taken the equity out of the home and use that money to travel and still keep the house and rent the house out while I travel. To me, that didn't make financial sense because then I would be coming back to an even larger debt. I still had a mortgage on the house. So I would still have the mortgage. I would have additional debt because I would have taken on a refinance and I would come back with potentially no job lined up and I would still have this debt. Financially, that makes no sense to me. So for me, it made the best decision to sell the house and use some of the proceeds on that to travel. But that's not a situation for everybody. Not everybody has that that asset that they can utilize. 
Mm-hmm. With the additional money that I got from the proceeds, I was able to buy a, an apartment, which I'm renting out while I travel. And that's giving me some income for the two years. The, the amount that I'm getting in the rent is covering all of my costs and then also providing me a little bit extra to help me continue to, to build some savings. So I've got something in the bank when I, when I move back to Canada. Again, not everybody's able to do that. So you really need to look at how you're going to get your money. That may mean that you have to save for three to five years for this. Really cut back on your expenses. Cut back on going to Starbucks or you know wherever every day and getting that latte or that cappuccino or whatever. Cut back on going out to dinner. Cut back on spending on, on clothes or shoes or whatever your your vices just really cut back on things like that it's amazing when you take a look at how much you spend on items other than uh, essentials like your accommodations or you know your basic meals things like that it's amazing how much you can actually cut back when you do take a hard look at those and when you are working towards a goal so if you don't have access to a large amount of savings already or if you don't have access to an asset like myself, to a house, the first thing I would recommend anybody do is really look at your, your spending and where can you cut. I'm sure everybody can find some ways to cut. It may take longer for some people to be able to pull that trigger and be able to have that money if they are going to travel without having to work. So just realistically look at what your expenses are and how much you're going to be able to save. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because really looking at those little extras, once you start cutting those out, I mean, that little bit that you're saving each day, each week uh, really adds up in the long term. Mm -hmm. It definitely does. And then that will help you when you're traveling as well, because you're going to be traveling on a limited budget. Whether you've been fortunate, like I have, to be able to put the money in the bank and it's just waiting for you there or whether you are maybe doing a combination of traveling and and working, you're probably going to be working with less money than you were before. Kind of cutting back and streamlining your life so that you're you're not so used to being able to go out and shop and um, treat yourself to fancy meals and things like that, it's going to help the transition a lot. True. That's a great point. So then how did you decide on the two years of travel? Was that kind of the amount of time you felt you needed to cover the countries you wanted to see? Or did you decide on that two years after you crunched the numbers and thought, okay, that's what I can afford? For me, it was after I crunched the numbers. Obviously, being an accountant, crunching numbers is is something that that I, I love to do. and I'm very good at and I put a lot of weight in that. Once I worked through all my numbers and I decided that, first of all, I had to sell my house to be able to afford this. I couldn't rent it out. And then I would be able to buy an apartment and rent that out. Once I worked through all those scenarios, for me, it came down to, okay, this is the amount of money that I'm going to be able to have to travel. And how long will that give me with kind of the estimate that I was thinking of how much it was going to cost me per day. It came down to the math, really. I had a, a, an amount in mind as to how much it would cost me per day over an average of a one or two year trip. And then I just did the math and it worked out that, okay, I could afford a two year trip. Great. And where are you doing this math? Is this like a Google spreadsheet, Excel? Where did you crunch your numbers at? I started off in an Excel spreadsheet because I I love Excel, but I've switched over to a Google spreadsheet because that does enable me flexibly to work offline. So my spreadsheet was quite large. I did my planning for before my trip where I looked at 
all of my sources of, of money essentially coming in and what all the money going out up until the point that I was going to be traveling. And so that gave me basically my total amount of cash available. Basically, it was my balance sheet. I looked at my assets and my liabilities, what I had coming in, what I had going out. And then those gave me, this is my total cash available. Then also on the spreadsheet, I looked at, okay, what is be my expenses while I travel? Both the amount that I was saying that's going to cost me for the two years and then what my expenses in Canada are also going to be. Because I still have expenses in Canada, primarily related to the apartment that I have. I've got money coming in, I've got rent coming in from that, but I've still got to pay the mortgage, I've got to pay the, the condo fees on, I've got to pay the taxes, all of these things. I have a, a website now, I've got to pay posting dues and all of this sort of thing. So I still had to think about what my money was going out and that became part of the spreadsheet. This is my income coming in, this is my money going out, and then what's my net of that. And then I also took it one step further and I looked at what was going to be my financial situation when I moved back to Canada? How much money was I going to have in savings? Basically, the day that I moved back. I'm thinking that I'm probably not going to have a job when I when I do move back the first day. I didn't take a sabbatical. I actually did quit my job. So I am going to have to look for a job when I come back. I'm obviously going to be doing some work on that before I actually land back in Canada, try and make some connections, try and see if I can get something lined up. But the reality is I might not. I might be a few months before I'm able to um, get another job. So for me, I needed to make sure that I had enough money in the bank to support myself for X number of months. And that's also what I calculated based on the amount of savings that I thought I would have, which was really the difference between the money that I got from the sale of the house, plus all other sources of money coming in, my, my savings and things like this. And then all the money that was going to be going out in the two-year time frame, what the total net of that was, that was going to be my savings. And then I calculated how much or how many months I'd be able to support myself on with that amount of savings. I also calculated what I thought my income would have to be to support my lifestyle. Because I had gotten rid of my house and now I'm going to be having a condo apartment, my housing costs are actually going to be much less than what they were when I, I left Canada. So that means I don't have to necessarily have such a high paying job to afford a certain level of lifestyle. I've actually reduced my cost quite a bit. So I looked at that because that gives me some options. I may not have to go back into the kind of position that I had in order to be able to maintain the same sort of life. Maybe I can make some changes and I can um, pursue something different and not have to worry about this amount of money to be able to afford my life. My expenses are going to be lower when I move back. So I actually looked at that as well. Wow. I'm sure our listeners are just as impressed as I am with this because I'm totally the opposite. Like you have really taken the big picture and looked at everything from your before, during, and after your refresh. And you have really just, you have planned down to all the little details financially, which is incredible because you know exactly where you're going to be, what you can spend and you know, what you're coming back to in the end, which must give you so much comfort. I definitely run the opposite. And so I would not recommend that for people. <laughs> it always ends up working out, but um, there's a lot of uncertainty and unknown. So I'm really impressed with your methodology here. 
that's what my background is. So for me, that that was easy. It, it came naturally. I'm very good in Excel. I love spreadsheets. So for me, it came naturally to think about this. It's it's my analytical mind. It's what I've done for so many years. It's how my mind is trained. For me, it was easy to do. And for me, it was something that I had to do. I couldn't make this kind of change without knowing, at least I had some sort of comfort in the fact that I could afford it. And financially, I would be okay at the end of it. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's a pretty, it's a huge change to make, you know, to quit your job and for me to sell my house and basically leave for two years, there's still a lot of uncertainty. And I'm not 100% confident that my numbers are correct. I'm 100% confident that I got them as correct as I possibly could be with all the information that I had, but something could happen. There could still be an unknown out there that I haven't thought of. And so, yeah, they may not be correct. But that's where the analysis comes in and that's where you look at it and you have to make some changes as you go forward. And if it looks like I'm really not going to be able to travel for two years and have the money, then maybe I need to make some changes and I need to change the way I travel and look at doing more hostels or more cheaper accommodations or whatever it is, or not travel for two years, come back earlier if it looks like I'm going to run out of money. That's where the analysis comes in. So then how has your budget aligned with what you had planned for? Well, I'll be honest, I'm over budget right now, which I actually expected to be because I've been traveling in Europe since August. I've had a couple of countries there where uh, they've been more in Eastern Europe and that's helped the budget. They have those, uh, the time in those countries have meant that on a daily average I've been under, but I've unfortunately, well, From a budget perspective, unfortunately, I've spent most of my time in Western or Central Europe and also a considerable amount of time in the UK. So that's really hurt my budget because those countries are not necessarily, um, they're they're more expensive countries. And because the euro and the pound are stronger than what the dollar is, I lose money right there on the conversion. So I knew that I knew those countries would be tough to still keep to the daily budget. So I expected to be over. I didn't necessarily think that I'd be spending as long in Europe as what I ended up spending. That's just the way my journey has worked out. I don't regret it. But I will admit I am over budget right now. I'm not panicking yet, because I think I can still make it up in the months to come when I shift away from Europe and I move into areas that are more affordable and then things should start to balance. But if I don't see that balancing at some point, then yes, I'm going to start to think more long-term and think about, okay, what is this going to look like for two years? Am I going to run out of money? And then I'll have to make some adjustments from there. But right now I am over budget. Got it. So how, I mean, I know you're going to go to places that are going to be less expensive, but how do you personally ensure that you don't overspend? Because sometimes that that is hard. I find when I'm traveling, you know, maybe I don't want to skip the nice meal because I don't know, it's Mm -hmm. just comforting to spend a little bit on myself or I will take a taxi instead of the Metro. And it's hard for me to not overspend when I know I shouldn't be. Oh, I do that too sometimes. And, and, I, and I think you have to, you know, when you, when you are traveling for extended periods of time, sometimes you do need to have a nice meal. You can't just grab street food all the time because it's only going to cost you a couple of bucks. You need to treat yourself sometimes, even when you're actually um, not traveling, when you're, you know, living your, your daily life and you're on a budget, it's still important to, to budget for those little treats because it ha- helps our morale. 
And it's much easier to stick to any kind of budget when you do have something in there that is going to be for you and it's going to be comfort for you, whatever that ends up being. So I think on a, a trip like this, especially when you're traveling by yourself like I am, when you're far from your friends and you're from your family, it's important that you do still treat yourself every once in a while to something nice, whether that is a nice meal out or whatever. And yeah, sometimes you do need to take a taxi somewhere versus a metro because you're either too exhausted and you can't figure out the metro in a foreign language or it's going to take you so long or the timing of your, your flights or whatever means the metro is not running or whatever it is. Sometimes you have to take that taxi. For me, I, I don't beat myself up over it. I know that those there are going to be some times when I am just going to overspend, whether it be because I've made that choice or whether it be because maybe I, I made a mistake. And I didn't look at something closely and it ended up costing me more. That's going to happen too in a two-year journey. You're just going to incur some expenses that's due to you not paying attention or you didn't research or something like that. It's going to happen. But you just look at that and you think, okay, that's maybe one day, you know, maybe one day I went over my budget. But as long as you're still keeping to a budget on a fairly consistent basis, and you're thinking more long term, the daily budget that you work with is just basically it's a total amount averaged out over 365 days or however many days you're traveling for. It's not necessarily going to be mean that you're actually going to stick to that daily budget every single day. That's not going to be possible. What it means is that's your average over the course of your traveling. So as long as you keep that in mind and you don't freak out if one day you're over that, that's okay. If you're seeing that you have more days than not when you're over your daily average, that's when you are going to have a problem. And that's when you're going to have to think about making some changes to your travel, either how you're traveling or how long you're traveling, because you are going to be, you're going to be coming up against a, a financial constraint there. Yeah. And what I loved when we met up for breakfast is that after breakfast, you were like, oh, I have to log this on my spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. So then you're actually logging all of your expenses on a daily basis to make sure they line up or at least seeing where you're lining up. Is that correct? Absolutely. So that's where I use Google Sheets because I'm able to do that offline. So from somewhere where I don't have a Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi connection, I can just open up the Google Sheet and I can, I can log that expenses. So I track my accommodations. I track my food and I actually do break it down between breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks and groceries because there are some times when I will have accommodation where I've got a kitchen. I look for those things which make it a little bit more expensive but I do look for accommodations where I can have a kitchen. And so I will buy groceries. I'm not quite that detailed to split the groceries up and try and determine, okay, I bought chicken on this day. And when am I actually going to spend it? I'm not quite that bad. So if I buy groceries, I just put that under the day that I bought them. And that just becomes groceries. But I track it like that. I track my transportation costs. I do split those up between bus, tram, subways within a city, also bus, train, plane, and car rental, just so I can see kind of how my, what my spending is on. And then I will also track whether I spend anything on gifts, which have to be minimal. You know, I've had to, to cut back uh, even on Christmas gifts and birthday gifts, things like that. Luckily, friends and family understand I can't do a lot of shopping, but I do have a line in my budget for shopping because sometimes you just need to replace things. I'm traveling with a limited wardrobe, so things are going to wear out. I'm going to need to buy another shirt at some point in time and things like this. So I track that. 
obviously you need to replenish basic things like toiletries. Uh, so I track those sort of things. And then I have a line for miscellaneous for anything, which, you know, can be anything from having to get my hair cut, which, you know, you have to still do. <laughs> so yes, I do a fairly detailed budget on that. And then I look at what my, my monthly total cost was. I look at how much that is over or under budget. I look at how much I'm spending on each one of the categories. Obviously, your accommodations is going to be probably your biggest or one of your biggest. Your transportation is also going to be large as well. So that's just for me. I just look at really on average how much I'm spending. For me, I'm looking at that to see whether or not I want to make any adjustments. But it's also information as well so that I can maybe, you know, if anybody asks me about it, like this call, if anybody asks me, well, how much on average are you spending on your accommodations or your transportation? I might be able to provide that and provide guidance to somebody else in the future. But yeah, I do track my my expenses in a fairly detailed manner and I track them on, on a daily basis. Yeah. So have you had any financial surprises along the way? As in maybe you're like, wow, I did not plan that correctly. This is a lot more or less. Or maybe financial surprises in the sense like you've had an expense come up in, in Canada that you didn't plan for or didn't foresee. No, no significant expenses in Canada that I didn't plan for. I mean, I obviously knew that I would still have all the expenses related to the apartment. I actually still did plan to contribute to my retirement fund. And not as much as what I was before when I was working, but from the money that I'm I'm getting in as rental income, I've taken budgeted some of that and I am still contributing to my retirement fund while I'm away, which I know is a concern for a lot of people. I also still planned on some donations. There's a number of charities that I support in Canada. It's very important to me. So I budgeted for that and I'm still providing financial support for a number of charities. So my expenses in Canada, they're pretty stable. I don't think anything has come up on there. As far as the expenses while I'm traveling, I think for me, one of the big surprises was um, the accommodations. Going into this, I thought, oh, I'll do hostels, I'll do couch surfing so I can get cheap accommodations. I soon realized that that isn't really the kind of journey I want to have, to be honest. I really don't want to be sleeping on somebody's couch for two years. I just like my privacy and my comfort a little more. So I've been spending more on accommodations than what I would have, you know, that's necessary really. Um, but I'm finding accommodations that suit me. And I think that's important. Know yourself and know what works for you. And that's where you're going to have to be realistic. And if my choice in accommodations means that I won't be able to travel for two years without working, then that's the choice that I've made. And I'll be comfortable with that. Great. So then in addition to your rental income, do you have any other income while you're traveling? No, not at this time. I had hoped that I would be able to monetize my blog and my social media presence. But honestly, I haven't really put any effort into that. I do have a blog. I don't really have that many followers other than I don't, think, I don't know if I have any followers on my blog other than my friends and family. On my Instagram account, I do have um, strangers following me, but nowhere near enough to be able to monetize that in any way. I just really haven't bothered. At this point, I'm doing it more for me and for my friends and family. But at some point, if I decide to put some more effort into it, that could be a way that I could offset some costs using it as um, being able to approach accommodations or restaurants. You know, how about I stay here and then I'll blog about it, that sort of thing. Um, so that could be an option at some point down the road. But at this point, it's just the rental income that I have. 
Great. All right. Well, I want to take, we had some questions from refreshers in the group. Giovanna had a few questions. We answered some of them. She wanted to know if you took a sabbatical or quit. And so we know that you've quit your job. And she asked if you're working at all these two years and you're not, you plan to be able to spend the time traveling. But Mm -hmm. she wants to know, and this is more related to post-refresh, she wants to know if you know of any people who have successfully come back to the corporate world after hitting refresh, like how were they received? Was it looked poorly on that they took that time off or was it something that Mm -hmm. added value to their resume or CV? Uh, She would like your feedback on that. Okay. Well, I personally don't know anybody who's taken time off other than a parental leave. But in my preparations, I talked to a few recruiters that I've worked with over the years to get their opinion from a recruiter perspective. I also talked to a number of contacts that I have in finance, most of them former bosses who are executives within their companies. So I'm talking um, CFOs, VPs, even a couple of CEOs, that level. And I asked all of them that question, what is this going to do to my career? Because I'm assuming that I am going to go want to go back into my career. I might not, but the assumption was I'm going to want to go back into, into a similar position. So I asked all of them, what is this going to do? And all of them came back with, from their perspective, any employer who doesn't see the benefit in taking some time off to travel, to learn about different cultures, to learn about the world, any employer who doesn't see that benefit is not going to be somebody that I want to work for. They're not going to be very progressive or very open-minded because there is a lot that you can actually learn from a two-year travel like this. So you can bring a lot to a company from doing something like this. So all of the feedback that I got was it might take a little bit longer to find another job because yes, I might be going or I might come up against employers who who are not quite as open-minded and who would think, oh, she's got a two-year gap on her resume. I'm not interested in that. But all of the feedback that I got, both from the recruiters and from executives in finance, was that based on my resume, I mean, I've got 25 years of experience. So that experience is something that is going to speak for itself. A two-year gap to do something like to travel the world, to learn about the world, and then to be able to bring some of that back, that's really not going to make that much of a difference, that it, it really won't be frowned upon. One of the things that was suggested to me, and this is something that I have to make more of an effort to, I know this, is that try and keep yourself as relevant as possible. For me, for somebody in in the finance world, that's using something like LinkedIn. Depending on um, the fields that people are in, that may not be as applicable, but it was really suggested to me that I keep my LinkedIn profile active and that I post on a regular basis on LinkedIn so that my name is kind of still out there. And that's people that I may be connected with are still seeing me. For me, that's been difficult because LinkedIn is a professional website. So I can't really be posting, oh, look at where I went today and a picture of some church or some waterfall or something like that. So for me, it's been a little bit of struggle to think about my journey in more of a professional sense. So I can post something that I think is business or professional related on LinkedIn. So that's something that I need to do a better job of. But that was one suggestion that somebody had is to keep that visibility, really. So when you do come back, you're still top of mind and you're still relevant and you're still out there. By doing that, you also will make other connections as well. 
Yeah, that's a great point. I really like the LinkedIn top of mind advice that you give there. We have another question, but you kind of already answered that. Margot was asking about, you know, she says she's 42 and she'd love to retire at 58 or 60 mm-hmm. around there. And she's actually planning on hitting refresh, but she's not going to have any income. So when she takes her refresh for nine months to a year, she won't be able to contribute to her retirement mm-hmm. account. But you are contributing while you're traveling. If you somehow didn't have the funds to contribute while you were traveling to your retirement account, would that have played a part or would you have been concerned or worried about that? Oh, I I am still worried about it. I I wanted to do this and I wanted to live for the moment, but I didn't want to do it at the, at the, the expense of my, of my future. And, And it is still a concern. I obviously, I think I planned it, but I am still concerned about what my financial future will be. Absolutely. I'm not saying that I'm 100% confident in that. But sometimes you have to take a risk. You got to take that chance. And I think that's what a lot of the message is behind refreshing. It is taking that chance. The only thing I would say on that is I'm assuming she's got some sort of investment advisor that she's working with. I think she was investing in a something like a 401k or something like that, whatever the, the, the terminology is in the US. So I'm assuming she's working with an investment advisor. If I remember correctly, she said she'd been investing about 15% of her pre-tax income. That's quite a good amount to invest, depending on how how long she'd been doing that or what her income was. The only thing that I would say on that is talk to your investment advisor. They'll be able to run the numbers for you. They'll be able to tell you how much your investments will grow in, say, the next 10 to 15 years based on what you've got now. And then you'll be able to look at what you would like to have as an income when you retire. They'll be able to do the math and tell you whether or not that's going to be possible with what your investment portfolio is right now. It's a software. They, they plug in their different variables and they'll be able to spit out an answer on that one. So that's what I would suggest anybody who's thinking of refreshing does. If they're not going to be able to, to have an income through a period of travel to be able to continue to invest, or even somebody like me who is continuing to invest, but at a much lower rate than what I was, talk to your investment advisor, work through the numbers, and that will give you then some assurance. So that will give you basically the knowledge that you need as to what your financial future will look like if you do take a career break. And then you'll be able to say, okay, is that something I'm, I'm okay with? Is, does that number still work for me? Fabulous. Uh, thank you so much, Sharon. All right. Well, I think we did it. We went over quite a bit of ground there. If okay. people want to learn more about you, want to read your blog or follow you on Instagram, where can they find you? So basically everything is under ditched my desk because that's what I did. I ditched my desk. So on Instagram, my handle is ditched underscore my underscore desk. And my blog is ditchmydesk.com. So they can reach me through either one of those or email, which is ditchedmydesk.com. That's kind of how I'm branding myself. Um, That's because that's the way I think about it. That's what I did. I ditched my desk. Perfect. Yes. And for anyone interested, I'll add all of uh, Sharon's social sites in the show notes. so You can find it there. Sharon, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you giving us some insight on uh, financial planning for our own refresh. You're welcome. I hope it was useful. As I said, to start, everybody's situation is different. So it's really just looking at at your own situation, looking at at what money you have, what money you possibly could get, and then figuring out what that means and thinking about what kind of journey you want to do. That's really going to be key. Knowing yourself and knowing, like I've talked about, are you going to be okay with hostels or couch surfing for two years? 
or you like me and you're not. You want a private bathroom for most of the time. You want something different than a, a bed in a dorm. It's knowing really what kind of journey you, you want to take. That's going to dictate how much money you're going to need. And that will dictate how long you either have to save for it or, you know, how are you going to be able to get that money? Exactly. Yes, ladies. So if you have any questions on planning, please let us know. But hopefully you learned a lot of tips today that you can start using to plan your own refresh. I hope so too. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. If we provided any value for you, we'd love it if you gave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. If you'd like to connect with She Hit Refresh, please join us in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash She Hit Refresh. You can also check out our blog for more tips and tricks to hitting refresh. And that's at shehitrefresh.com. And you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at She Hit Refresh.